Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 1234 in Edmonton, 234 in New York City. Bob Stoffer, Brett and Escott with you on Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. 9990 Jasper Avenue, the 99th Roos Chris opened in a city where the number 99 is special. Some, again, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. Tell Chef Altoff and Chris that Oilers now sent you as we head out to the River Crew Resort Casino Hotline and hook up with Frank Sarah Volley for the horses and horse race in Alberta. The top standard bed drivers from across Canada converge on Central battle to represent our country at the upcoming World Driving Championship. It's going to take place in Italy. Don't miss the extra special day of racing featuring Canada's top drivers this Thursday. That's November 24th out at Century Mile. And uh, we're pleased to be joined by Daily Face-Offs, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how you doing? Bob, I'm pretty good. How are you? You had a uh, trade list out today, didn't you? I did. It is the season. I mean... We're hitting Thanksgiving here in the U.S., and uh, my sense is from talking to a number of different managers and front office executives around the league, things are really beginning to percolate, some on the injury front, some on the team need front, and some teams are ready to just push the button. All right. Well, uh, uh, we relayed the story. I don't know if you heard earlier, but uh, we relayed the story that Bill Armstrong uh seen him twice now in the in the fall and the, you know we talked a bit about chikrin and he just said well you know logic would dictate that once chikrin gets back playing that maybe teams that thought they'd be a little further along might you know that might change the parameters for them uh, i believe josh uh, josh marshall just reached out to me via text to tell me that chikrin did get in the lineup last night for arizona um do you think things might start to uh, uh, heat up on that front for teams that are maybe struggling a bit defensively and are looking for a guy that can step in on a cost-controlled contract and, and probably play you know, a legitimate 20 to 22 minutes a game? He played 23 last night for the Arizona Coyotes. And, <clears throat> Bob, I actually went back and I watched all of his shifts from last night. And I think what you see from Jacob Chikrin is someone that still has the pieces of a really mobile defenseman and certainly at his age um you know he's you could see it right away that even his first game played since march 12th coming off of 
uh, wrist and ankle surgeries that there's a lot there and a lot to work with. But I think the big question is how much and which defenseman are you getting in Jacob Chikrin? Because there was the guy a couple seasons back that scored an incredible 18 goals in a 56-game shortened season. And then there was the guy last year that really seemed to struggle, and perhaps injuries played a part of it. Perhaps his situation with the Coyotes and how that has evolved played a part in it as well. I don't think it's easy for more than a calendar year now to have had his name out there circulating in the rumor mill and knowing that the Arizona Coyotes, they are willing to move him. He's someone that, knowing uh, his situation pretty well, really liked being an Arizona Coyote and really liked playing and living there, which when you consider their lack of success, I would want players that you've committed to to want to be part of it, and that's one of the challenges that Arizona is going to have. But after hearing his name out there for so long, he finally, I think, said to himself, well, I'm, I was committed to them. They don't appear to be committed to me despite the contract. Why am I putting this much emotion into it? And has said very clearly and publicly, I'd like to be traded. He's 24, wants to play for a contending team. Will it heat up? I'm sure it will. But I think what has to change is the Arizona Coyotes' asking price to this point, which has been really high. Um, I understand why they'd ask for a high price, given where he's at in terms of his contract and how valuable that is, the cost certainty that comes with it. But I got to tell you, Bob, that I think the reaction in front offices is really varying on the player that its beauty is in the eye of the beholder in terms of which defenseman you're getting. Is he a number one or is he closer to a number four on a really, really good team? Frank Cervalli from Daily Faceoff. Again, he's got his uh, trade target list. It's on Daily Faceoff's website. Number one on that list is Bo Horvat. Um, this guy could be a rental or he could be long-term. What are you hearing on that front? Well, he's got the ultimate flexibility, as you mentioned, and probably even has some power and sway in terms of where he might be going in in terms of a trade in the sense that anywhere he isn't willing to sign a long-term extension, if that's the team that's interested in getting him, all he has to do is raise his hand and, and let that be known through his agent. So um, it's been very quiet on the Horvat front in terms of negotiating an extension, Bob. I don't think these teams have talked since – uh, before training camp began, and it's been a stalemate. They've sort of frozen off any conversation to this point. And with his continued hot start, now 15 goals in 19 games to open the season, it's absolutely bananas how well he's played. He's um, just crushed it in terms of uh, his contract year. And the Canucks says their season has continued to swirl down the drain. You don't need to look any further than their president of hockey ops and Jim Rutherford, who said, hey, the better Bo plays, the better return we're going to get. So I do think the center market um, is really rather interesting in that there's no one quite at Bo Horvat's level. Maybe you could say Jonathan Taves, um, but I think there's a number of teams that you know might overlap in the Taves and, and Bo Horvat sweepstakes in terms of boosting their teams down the middle. I think ultimately when it's all said and done, you know we've talked about the Oilers' needs and, and different ways that they might go about tackling their roster. 
I think center is a really interesting spot and something that the Oilers are going to take a long, hard look at. Whether it's someone of Bo Horvat or Jonathan Taves caliber, I think remains to be seen. But there's, it's certainly on their list of priorities. They're not alone. Like I can tell you the Boston Bruins are looking for a center, um, and, and not just for the short term. You know, They've got Bergeron and Krejci down the middle, but then who's going to follow those two guys once their careers are over, if it's after this season? It could be someone like Horvat. The Detroit Red Wings, uh, they've got Dylan Larkin on an expiring contract as well. Um, you know, they need to boost their center, uh, their, their center position. And the defending cup champs, the Colorado Avalanche, are another team that they've tried new hook in that spot. It hasn't worked out to this point. And I think uh, they miss Nazem Kadri in a big way. So they're going to be looking for a center. So there's lots of teams that are in that market. Well, there's no question uh, the orders are not where they want to be right now at 10 and 9. Um it's going to be interesting to watch. And one of the things that's occurred here, Frank, is their younger guns have not taken a step forward. Paul Yarby's sitting at one goal through 19 games. Yamamoto's out with an upper body issue. We know he got blindsided against uh, Colorado by Lanniscog. He got punched the head uh, a couple of weeks ago by Ross Colton down in Tampa. He's out. Uh, so that's two of the forwards. McLeod has cooled off considerably. I'm still quite bullish on where Ryan can go as a player. Uh, but he has really not been the same player since they played New Jersey. And then there's Bouchard on the first time they played New Jersey. And then there's Bouchard on defense. Like that sort of 22 to 24-year-old, that doesn't even include Holloway, who's, who probably is going to get moved down to the minors. So it's going to be interesting to watch with the centers. You did mention an, another Edmonton connection, which I found interesting. Um, because of the fact that the team is in need with, with Evander Kane out of the lineup, uh, they could use some, uh, what was the term that uh, Brian Burke always used, the truculence? truculence? They could use some yeah. truculence in the lineup. Um, what is going on with the New York Rangers' Ryan Reeves? Yeah, I think he's an interesting fit or potential fit um, and someone that I had singled out in terms of the connection uh, with potentially with Edmonton, given the need. I mean, look, we've talked for, I think, the last month now about the Oilers and their bottom six needing to be more difficult to play against. And sometimes it's not always in a muscle and brawn type scenario, dropping the gloves or being willing to do any of that. Sometimes it's just in relentless puck pursuit and and being gritty and and tough to play against that way um, by being a really smart hockey player. But you can't get a team of six Zach Hyman's that are going to fill out the bottom six of your group. Sometimes, you know, you need to go a different path, and it's never really a bad idea to have some size in someone like Ryan Reeves. And so he sat out four of the last five games, I believe, in New York. He has a close connection, clearly, with Gerard Gallant, their coach, who saw enough value in him to help bring him to New York after he was hired. Um, And clearly from their relationship in Vegas, like there's a trust factor that goes there. Um, But at the same time, the Rangers... As much as the Oilers are sitting here saying at 10 and 9, they're not really all that happy. The Rangers haven't lit the world on fire either. And so they're 9, 6, and 4. Um, you know, the Oilers will see them on Saturday, as you know. And they're in a spot where they'd probably be ready, willing, and interested to move the 1.75 off of their cap 
I don't think it's going to be an expensive transaction wherever Ryan Reeves ends up going, if he does end up being traded, that it's one of those, hey, just take him off our hands because of the 1.75. And so it would probably be an expensive cap acquisition for the Oilers, for instance, but maybe there's something that they could do to lessen the blow on that. Um, But I think stylistically, it's probably a pretty interesting fit. Yeah, they might need a team like Anaheim because I think Arizona's already got a couple of retainments already in place on those three-way deals. So, you know, there's a connection, obviously, between Ken Holland and Pat Verbeek uh, from uh, their days together with the Detroit Red Wings. Frank Sarabali. But then you're giving up an asset to have the salary retained, and that probably defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? Uh, possibly. I mean, it depends, I guess, also. Maybe you're making another trade at this time. I mean, Anaheim's not killing it either. Uh, they, they could be an interesting. I know you've, you've got Klingberg in your top five, but I actually want to ask you about Columbus uh, because mm-hmm. I've mentioned Gavrikov and Susie before as possible left shot options that are, I would think, less you know less expensive as an example than uh, than Chikrin. But is it possible that Columbus could get a first round draft choice for Gavrikov, who's a pretty solid shutdown D? And what's going on with Jack Roslovic there in Columbus as well? Yeah, Roslovic's an interesting name. He joins the trade targets board at number 11. And um, there's been, I think, some rumblings there that Columbus may not be happy with what they've gotten from him. I think the effort has been inconsistent. And someone that had actually been a pretty steady point producer through his first two seasons there coming in on the Patrick Line for Dubois trade that he really, I think they were hoping would be a better fit than he has. I think the difficult part for Roslovic and the Blue Jackets as they work through this is that he's a homegrown kid. Sean Corrali is also a Columbus kid. But, you know, you look at, at Roslovic, he's born and raised there, came through their program, and maybe sometimes ripping that Band-Aid off isn't all that easy given that they work to acquire him as well. And they'd be trading him at this exact moment in time probably when his value is the lowest. So I don't know if that's going to materialize, but I think there have been some rumblings that they're unhappy. And in terms of a price for Gavrikov, um, I think they've been pretty clear. Like They're looking for a first-round pick in return. Um, and the reason why they look at that package is they say, well, David Savard was in this spot. He went to Tampa, of course, um, and they got a first-round pick in return for that package. And they're sitting here saying, well, Gavrikov is younger and probably better, although you're dealing on the margins and you know, may, it's probably a pretty close argument. Um, but Gavrikov is sort of your quintessential defensive defenseman. He's not... People look at him and say he's physical. I don't know that he's overly physical, um, but he certainly has the ability to kill plays and to play big minutes. Um, so there's, I, I know stylistically there's a number of teams that are looking at him saying that's a really interesting piece, and especially with his cap hit at 2-8, um, they're saying you know you could really make that go a long way, especially if, if Columbus is willing to retain in a season where basically the wheels have just fallen off. Um. You mentioned the Chicago guy. You didn't really talk about Keane, but there's a couple other players you've got on your list from Chicago, and I kind of agreed with... The, I haven't agreed with everything that Kyle Davidson's done. You know, I, I think they blew it on the uh, Kirby Doctrate. Like, I would not have given up a third overall pick. They had their reasons, I'm sure. 
But I did get the moves to sign Domi and Athanasiu on the deals that they did on those, you know, one-year deals and $3 million range. What do you think the asset required would be to get, as an example, a guy like Max Domi? Probably not all that high. I mean, you think back to last season, and basically Carolina was was able to get him for almost free. Like, there was next to nothing given up. And if I'm not mistaken, Domi came in and scored a, a playoff game-winning goal for them, which really kind of worked out quite well. He ends up moving on, of course, and signing in Chicago. But the best way, I think, to frame those signings is smart bets. One, Chicago lost a few pieces. You see Kubalik in the bounce-back year that he's had. Um, they've had some other guys basically walk for next to nothing. Uh, Camp was another one. Um, where they were in a spot where they didn't, yeah, they didn't qualify and strong. And they had to fill out their roster, and they signed these guys for really reasonable deals as pending UFAs that are flippable assets. And Athanasiu being another one, and I know it didn't quite work out in Edmonton, but I think the thought process was strong. The unfortunate part that the Oilers went through was the timing. They gave up yeah. the two second-round picks to get him. The pandemic hits. And you basically end up with like a grand total of a of five game shortened series in the bubble. That's your only Thir- crack. Thirteen games. He played thirteen games for the Oilers. Athanasio. It's just, it's tough. Like it really is, and it, it, it that's one um, that I'm sure if they could get a do over, if they had some kind of magical crystal ball to say, hey, a giant, you know, worldwide pandemic is coming, then they probably wouldn't have done it. But. Um, you look at the opportunities he creates for himself with his speed. Like, I think these guys are looking at, you know, second, third round picks at the moment for those types of players. All right. So we know probably a little less than that. Frank, just to wrap up here, Frank Saravalli from uh, Daily Faceoff, just to wrap up here. So we know there's going to be a first rounder and a prospect and a, and a player for Kane. What's, what's the cost for Taze? What do you envision the, the price point being there? Okay, so the interesting thing with both Caves and Kane in terms of how I believe they're looking at it, and I mentioned this in my story, is as they get to December 1st and the calendar begins to turn, that's when they're going to start having these conversations with Kane and Caves. They're both represented by the same guy. And so stylistically, in terms of the package they want to get back and how you're likely to see this managed and played out publicly for everyone is probably very similar to what the Flyers went through last year with Claude Giroux and what they ended up getting for him in return. Um, they All three players have the same agent in Pat Brisson. Um, all three players, Taves, Kane, and, and Giroux, held um, the keys in terms of their full no-trade and no-move clauses. And I think Chicago is looking at it, Bob, from a perspective of plus or minus on the – on the Drew deal, you know, maybe a little bit, uh, maybe very similar to Drew for Taves, probably on the plus side, get a little more for Kane. It really depends on how Taves has played, because I think to this point, the Blackhawks are, are pleased and pleasantly surprised with how well he's played um, to this point. It's a real bounce back year for him after a tough year last year. Yeah, no question. One final one for you. Okay. Um, Frank, which GM has the most pressure on him right now? Uh, Kyle Dubas. It's not even close. Uh, year down, year three. 
biggest minute-eating and expensive defenseman in Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, and Jake Muzzin. Uh, you could have made the argument with all three of those guys healthy that they probably needed another piece on the back end to begin with. They didn't strike while they were in a spot last week to really jump the market and, and take care of that position uh, when it was only Muzzin that was out. Um, don't have an exact time frame on Riley, but we know it's going to be a while. And I think well, he went on LTIR. Hour. Yeah, he went on LTIR. Yeah, so so Twenty. I, I know that, but I'm saying, are they thinking with how quickly they put him on there that this is an ACL type situation where we're looking at six months? I, we don't have eyes on that yet. But okay. the fact that they acted so quickly when they didn't need to, Bob, uh, cap space-wise, because they had the flexibility with Muzzin, tells me that they're probably up to something and that uh, Kyle Dubas, especially in the last year of his deal, this is not when you want to see things fall apart. Well, my guess is, I mean, Chickman's the obvious guy out there, isn't he? And they, they have Robertson who's not playing. I don't think Chickren is the obvious guy based on what I was saying earlier about how you view him. I, I've never gotten the sense that Toronto has been overly wowed by Chickren, and I think there's a way better stylistic fit for them in John Klingberg. And perhaps an easier get, because we believe it's going to be a first-round pick, right? That's the, the minimum that's got to go to Anaheim there. Great point by you. Frank, love having you on the show. Uh, thank you for joining us here in Oilers Now. Thanks a lot, Bob. Enjoy New York, and I know you're a proud Canadian, but happy U.S. Thanksgiving as you'll be here to celebrate. Awesome. Thank you. That is Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff. It is 12.55 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer joining you at uh, 1257 in Edmonton. We're going to tell you if you're looking for a great Oilers road trip, and I'm going to meet some of the Oilers road trippers who flew in today uh, to New York. They're going to go to the Islanders game. Tomorrow. We're going to meet them on Thursday, and then they're going to stick around and watch the uh, the Rangers and the Oilers on Saturday. But we got a Vegas trip coming up this January to see the Oilers play the Golden Knights, all the famous Vegas attractions. This new West Travel package includes airfare, three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel, on the Vegas Strip, game tickets, and a welcome reception with yours truly. For the Oilers Now Hockey Vegas package, call New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. Uh, it is 12.58 in Edmonton. Keep texting. Lots of texts coming in. Um... Lots of people mentioning the Oilers should be looking at uh, Wayne Simmons, who was placed on waivers today. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Zach Sanford was placed on waivers. He's $850,000 from uh, Nashville. Someone's picking Sanford up. I'm going to tell you that right now. Because there's lots of teams around the league that have liked Zach. I mean, Zach Sanford had a pretty good year a few year, years ago for the St. Louis Blues. He's a six foot four guy that can play both left or right wing. Maybe a bit like Nate Bastion as a player for the uh, Devils, who's on, on, at $800,000. Uh, We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update at 1 o'clock. Brendan, who do we got at uh, 1 bringing us the news oh, it's today? Eileen Bell. Eileen's up next with a global news weather traffic update. And when we come back, one of your favorite guests over the last three years of the show, Brian Lawton, former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, started Octagon's player agency. We'll hook up with him when we return on orders now.